hello, everybody. Tamara here. I am a little bit excited for today's podcast because I've decided to introduce you to someone very special and very important to me. And his name is Bernard. Now, before I talk about Bernard and you get to know Bernard, I just want to give you a little bit of warning about this podcast. You might go, that girl is Meshugana <laughs> by the time I'm done. She's crazy and has inner voices she listens to. So you might think I'm a little crazy, but I'm pretty certain that once you get past that, you will totally relate to what I'm saying and um, some of the kind of stories that I'm sharing with you. As you all know, especially those of you who've been me for a while, I tend to not hold much back. And I think that's uh, partially just because that's my personality and who I am. And I just have no filters, as my friends would say. <laughs> that's accurate. And also, though, I think some of these things that we talk about are important because they don't get enough airtime. So a lot of us are over here kind of on our islands thinking we're the only ones dealing with something the way we're dealing with it or managing something the way we're managing it. And it turns out uh, not only are we not alone, but there's people out there with, with best practices or tools or mindsets that could help us. So why wouldn't we do that? Now, you might be going, is this a like, super negative podcast? It is not. In fact, it's pretty funny and pretty uplifting. But today, like I said, I want to introduce you to someone. And the person that I want to introduce you to is Bernard. Who is Bernard, you ask? Bernard is the name of my primal brain. You know, that negative chatter in your head that tries to keep you safe and comfortable. It's the one that wants to keep you in place, never wants you to take the risks, even the really smart and really good ones. Doesn't like anything, doesn't want to let anything in, wants to block your innovative mind, your big mind, where all that great creative capacity is. That's your primal brain. And for me, it's Bernard. Now, I named Bernard. I'm going to talk a little bit about that because there's actually research behind it. And Bernard and I have very long conversations very often because Bernard is always with me and your Bernard, whatever you decide to name him or her, is always with you. So here's why I wanted to introduce you to Bernard. I find that our primal brains, our negative chatter, our self-talk that drags us down, our fear, like Bernard is very much driven by fear. Those are the things that often keep us in place and hold us back from doing the things we know we want and should do, from speaking up in that meeting because, oh my gosh, we'll totally fumble our words and we'll look like an idiot. Don't do that. It keeps us from pursuing that side hustle that we've always wanted to try because you'll fail and then everyone will know. Or it's kept you from kind of going after that big promotion because when you don't get it, you'll look like a total loser. And you know what? You're not qualified enough anyway. Right? We all have that internal chatter. And it drives us. It drives our behaviors. It drives our actions. It drives our thinking. It drives our emotions. And the reality is we can never get rid of our Bernards. So someone once said to me once, just be fearless, Tamara. And I thought that was the stupidest advice I ever got. I hate it when people talk about fearless leadership. Fearless teamwork, fearless whatever, fill in the blank. It's so stupid. We can't be fearless. Fear is hardwired into us. It's part of the human design. And actually, 
fear is very important. It can keep us safe when there's a, you know, someone lurking in the alleyway. We see that little shadow and we kind of like come to attention and we go into fight or flight. Fear is important, but it's hardwired into us. It's hardwired into our design. We'll never get rid of it. And when people used to say that to me, at first I believed them and I would try to be fearless and then I couldn't and the fear would just bubble up inside of me, whatever it is I was doing. And then I would feel like a total failure. And then over time, I realized this is stupidest advice ever. So I dug into the neuroscience of the brain and human design and change principles and psychology. I realized fear is part of us and that's okay, but we have to learn how to manage it. And the the challenge that we face as humans, all of us, is that you know back in the old days, fear was this very quick fight or flight, fight or flight response. That's what it's meant for that stressor. It's meant for, oh my gosh, there's a saber tooth tiger in the bushes, run, or there's danger coming to our tribe, run, right? That's what it's actually meant for. But in today's conference room, modern living, in today's time when things are so incredibly uncertain, things are constantly in flux, um, I mean, I can't even tell you, I feel like more so now than even before people are at their edge with the change, with inflation, with the economy, with uh, in the US, a political year coming, like the list goes on. So we were living in this constant insidious stress. So it's eating at us all day, every day. And it's about things in our own personal world, but then things outside, completely outside of our control. I mean, it's everything from, you know, managing our families or our partners or whatever to what's happening in our company and are they reorging or do I have to change how I do my job, right? All those stressors to everything in the world. And I don't mean that as doom and gloom. That's the reality we're in. And actually, I think there's a lot of opportunity and change. That's a podcast for a whole different time if you want it. But for now, what I want you to realize is stress, fear right? Our primal brains have a really important reason. And in the caveman days, they were incredibly important in keeping us alive. But in today's world, they play tricks on us. And we're living in this insidious fear. And I heard some researcher talk about how it's making us dumber, because we're constantly operating from this tiny little primal brain, and we're not accessing our greater innovative mind, our greater cognitive abilities, our creative capacity, because we're living in this place of fear and stress all the time. So we got to figure out how to deal with that. So my Bernard is my way of dealing with this. And let me tell you a little bit about Bernard and what he likes to tell me. Can't believe I'm going to admit this to all of you, but fuck it. Why not? And hopefully, I hope it helps somebody out there. And let me tell you how I've learned to really control and manage him and even leverage Bernard a little bit. And I just want to apologize to anyone out there whose name is Bernard, whose husband's name is Bernard, who has a father or a son or, or whatever named Bernard. It just felt right for me, but no offense. So Bernard is my very imaginative, negative, primal inner voice. And I have a very rich imagination. And the beauty of that is um, I come up with these wild fiction, like sci-fi stories out of no, what's seemingly out of nowhere. I come up with innovative ideas for work. Like there's a, a, there's an, a plus to it. The downside is when Bernard starts going, he really starts going and he can get on like really big tracks. So one of the things that Bernard likes to tell me is that I'm not lucky, I'm not smart enough, and I'm not actually 
disciplined enough to make what I want to make happen. He loves to tell me that. And basically Bernard's like, you can start stuff, but you can't finish it. Who do you think you are to have that big win? Like somebody else is going to be lucky and they're going to get the big win and things come easy for them. For you, things are always hard. In fact, that's the overarching theme for my Bernard. My Bernard likes to convince me or try to convince me that things have to be hard and I have to white knuckle and they often don't work out. And I'm often going to get to the, you know, 25th mile of the marathon and not make it the last mile. That's my Bernard. And I don't know, I have no doubt that comes from childhood and blah, 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 but it doesn't even matter. What matters is that's Bernard. Well, it won't happen for you tomorrow. It's going to happen for somebody else, but it's not going to happen for you. You're not that person. That person always gets the wins and you don't. Like you're, you're smart and you've got what it takes and you're brilliant, but it doesn't happen for you. So you're not worthy, right? It's, it's, um, oh, and you don't have like the, the discipline to make it happen. You give up, like you might as well just give up because you're going to, that's Bernard. So in the beginning, I guess I listened to Bernard a little bit and um, Bernard can take over. And I think for a lot of, for a lot of us out there, I think, you know what I mean? By the way, I think there's a lot of value in learning from each other on this one. So if you're a member of our overly caffeinated community, go log in and, and share not just what you named your Bernard, I think some of the names are hysterical, but also some of the ways that you've overcome your Bernard, your internal chatter, that negative voice, the thing that holds you back, that, that fear, that primal brain. I think there's a lot of value in the collective wisdom on this one in particular. So if you're a member, go and put it on there. And if you are not a member, hello, go join. So my Bernard can take over and I can spend three hours in my head spiraling because I'm imaginative, right? So good on one hand, not good on the other. So I've really had to learn to take control of my Bernard because he is loud. and. There's three things that I've learned to do that not only manage him and quiet him down when he pipes up, but actually allows me to leverage it to get to better ideas, better thinking, better conversations, better beliefs. And it's these three things. So actually it's four. The first one is what I was saying earlier, which is acknowledge that your Bernard exists and that it's not you. So like I said, it's hardwired into us. You can't be fearless, that's stupid. You're going to have a Bernard. Our primal brains are part of our human design. We cannot get rid of it, but we can manage it. So the first thing is really acknowledge. Acknowledge that you've got this primal brain and this inner voice. And you know what? Everybody has one. And some are loud, some are quiet, some have managed it, some haven't. But we all have it and we have it in different moments. And different things set off our primal brains, our Bernards. So that's the first thing I think is recognize that you don't have to act or pretend or even try to not have this primal brain thing that turns into that negative chatter, that doubting voice, all those things. It's there. Like I said, for me, it's all about you don't deserve it. It never happens for you. I'm so glad I got over that, by the way, because I don't know that I'd have this podcast or other things if I believed Bernard. So number one is acknowledge. Number two is name it. So here's the thing. It sounds a little silly, but naming your primal brain, your negative chatter has been proven to work because it creates a little bit of disassociation. And what that means is instead of you, John, you, Sally, right? You, uh, Joaquin, 
instead of that voice being you, it's your primal brain. It's like talking to somebody. So it takes the primal brain, takes it out of the driver's seat and puts it into the passenger seat where we want him, right? He's there, maybe even the backseat or the trunk. We know he's there, but he's not driving anymore. So naming creates disassociation. And that's been really important because when my Bernard dials up, sometimes I'm like, Bernard, really? Really? That's, there's nothing true about what you're saying. And here's, by the way, the interesting thing about humans. We make up things. We make up things. So if you only have part of the facts, like let's say, for example, let's do a work and a personal one. So let's say on the work side, um, your boss texts you and says, I need to talk to you right now. So what happens? In your head, you're like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. He found out about that one email I sent that didn't go over too well with my client. So-and-so told on me because they don't like working with me. We fill in the gaps. So as humans, when we don't have the information, because we don't like open loops, I've talked about that before, we start to fill the stories in with shit that isn't even true or close to true. We don't know why our boss called us in. We just know that we got a text that said, I need to see you right now. And it turns out like, you don't know what it is, right? So, but as humans, we fill it in and Bernard is very active in those scenarios for you because Bernard's gonna fill it in with all the bad things that are possibly the reason. Um, I had that happen to me once with a boss who emailed me and said, can you come over to my office, please? I don't know why they couldn't have just walked over now that I think about it, but it wasn't that big of an office. But I walked over in such dread. I was like, oh, my, my Bernard was in full swing. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting fired. They don't like my work. The client didn't like my ideas. Um, my coworkers told on me because I like maybe took a little bit of a, of a um, shortcut to get this presentation done. Everything was going through my brain. I mean, it was like a, I don't know, 30 foot walk. I don't even know. By the time I got there, I was sure I was being fired. I was like packing up my bags in my head. And I come in there and I'm like, yes. And he goes, oh, hey, I just wanted to let you know they're really good job on that presentation later. Uh, earlier today, and I just wanted to catch you before I leave the office. Are you freaking kidding me? I was sure that I was like going down for the count. Why? Because without the information, my brain started filling it in. How many of you have done that? You just fill it in. You fill in the gaps. It's human nature. And it's why when like, you know, let's say your spouse or your partner didn't text you back for three hours after you would text them a question about the weekend in your head, you're like, they're mad at me. They always ignore me. Why are my needs being met? Like the, you go down this litany of ridiculousness when in reality, they're like, sorry, I was in a meeting and I couldn't like get to my phone. And you're over there spiraling down. It's just, that's how it works. So we fill in the gap. So Bernard gets really, really vocal. So when we name Bernard though, like in when I'm having those kind of moments, I'm just like, all right, Bernard, I hear you, but I'm pretty sure we don't know. So let's just quiet down for a while. And it works. Name your Bernard. It really creates that incredible disassociation that puts him in the passenger seat. The next thing that I love to do is to ask my Bernard questions. I know I'm having full on conversations with Bernard, but I'm telling you it works. So here's what I do. When I start to get that stuff, that negative chatter in my head of, oh my God, like if I'm about to send an email and then Bernard's like, hey, you're going to look stupid if you send that. Oh, I don't know that's going to be taken the right way. What I do is I'm like, all right, Bernard, why would you even say that? And then I start to dig. Okay, Bernard, what's going on here that really set you off? I was in a meeting once 
where um, I was presenting an idea to the team of something I wanted us to focus on. And the person across from me, he really challenged my idea. And I got so riled up on the inside. And I remember just like, I was so angry. And Bernard's like, look at him. He's challenging your authority. He thinks you're stupid. He thinks you can't do it. He thinks you don't have what it takes. He thinks you'll never make it work. Like that's kind of what's going on in my head. And, and in my head, don't worry, none of this happens out loud, usually. Maybe if you catch me in the grocery store or at home. But I said to Bernard, I asked Bernard, I was like, Bernard, why are you really feeling that way? And then it just kind of realized that like, oh, I'm just really nervous about what the group's going to say. So I'm kind of making some stuff up or like, oh, I just, I'm feeling a little insecure because I'm nervous about the idea. And that's why I'm reacting to this guy. And by the way, he wasn't even being that challenging. When I look back at it, I mean, he was asking me challenging questions, but he was actually just trying to find the holes and help fill them. He wasn't actually trying to shut me down, but in my head he was because Bernard took over. But when I asked Bernard, like, why am I getting so riled up by this guy's questions? That's when it started to come out of like, oh, I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling insecure. I'm concerned about the success of the idea. And that's really what's going on here. So not just naming Bernard, but asking your Bernard questions, you'll be amazed what that inner voice will tell you back. You will get to the heart of things. And at the heart of things, that's when you can really deal with them. So the last thing is, um, is give yourself some time. So it takes about 15 seconds, which is about three breaths to go from your primal brain to your innovative mind, to your, your higher thinking. Your primal brain, as I talked about before, likes to block it. So your primal brain wants to keep you comfortable in place, safe. It wants to do the least amount of work. Um, it wants to, to be lazy. And so when you're presented with innovative ideas, new thinking, a different approach, maybe things become uncertain, your primal brain wants to kind of put up these big roadblocks and these barriers. And it responds faster, by the way. Um, I saw the numbers the other day, I can't remember what they were, but the, what you need to know is the primal brain is like, is faster than we can even like recognize that it's happening. And then it takes a little time to get to the, to the innovative mind. So the primal brain's always responding faster than the innovative mind, which is why we gotta control it. We gotta ask it questions and we gotta give ourselves time. So I like to give myself 15 seconds, three breaths, whatever it takes to just calm my primal brain down, calm my Bernard down, put him in the passenger seat, maybe ask him some questions, but also know that I just need a chance to get to my bigger brain. So that's my introduction to Bernard. I'm sure I sound crazy to some of you, but we all have one. And that negative, like I said in the beginning, that negative chatter in our heads is real and sometimes it can be very loud. And it's also the reason we don't do the things we wanna do, why we don't pursue things, why we don't speak up, why we don't act boldly, why we stay in place. Um, and then we can, it's very easy to justify over time. And if you let him, your Bernard will take over. And we've gotta learn because we can't get rid of him. We've gotta to learn to acknowledge, name, ask, and give it time. It really is that simple. So. I hope you've enjoyed meeting my Bernard and hearing about some of the things he likes to say to me. Um, he really likes to fill in the gaps. So when I don't have information, he really likes to fill in the gaps. And it's been a great lesson in letting go. And here's the funny thing, what I found. And I saw this quote somewhere. What was the quote? It was something like 89% of what we worry about never comes to fruition. Like it doesn't even happen. So we worry for no reason. It's been a great experiment in letting go. 
and a good one. And I've gotten to a place where I can pretty easily do that now and know, all right, Bernard, you don't, we don't have the data. You don't, you can stop filling in things that don't even exist, dude, like let it go. So yeah, that's Bernard. And he, he's still there. He's always going to be there. It's hardwired into me, hardwired into you. But now I can really manage him. And oh, by the way, you know, I said earlier to actually leverage him. When I ask him questions of like, why are you feeling that way? What's really going on? That's where I start to dig into the things. I'm like, oh, there's an opportunity here. So I'll give you another example real quick. I was um, trying to get buy-in for something that I wanted to do. And I was getting some resistance. And that set off Bernard of like, this is never going to happen for you. You should just give in and say, you're right. Let's, let's close this for another day. And then I was like, hey, Bernard, like what's going on here? And then when I dug in, what I really realized is the person across the table for me was the one, his Bernard was acting up and that was the problem. And then I needed to shift my focus from trying to convince him about my idea to just helping him manage his resistance. And that's what I did. And that's how I got by into my idea. But I needed a second to really think it through and to see where the opportunity was and what was really happening before responding. I think, unfortunately, when Bernard responds, it's tends to be extremely reactive and probably, um, what's what I'm looking for, probably extreme. And we've all had those moments where our Bernards have responded and later we've been like, woo, I overreacted on that one. That's Bernard talking. So when we can kind of calm it down, ask you questions, talk to it, our Bernards, our primal brains, we can figure out what's really going on. And when we figure out what's really go going on, that's how we figure out how to move forward. So when we figure out what's really going on, we can figure out how to move forward instead of getting trapped in our primal bearings, which keeps us in place. Tamara out.